Section 9 of Legends of Old Honolulu. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Thomas Sorensen. Legends of Old Honolulu by William Drake Westervelt. The Legendary Origin of Kappa. Note, Dr. Brigham, the director of the Bishop Museum in Honolulu, well says, Kappa, Tapa, is simply Ka, the, and Pa, beaten or the beaten thing. The cloth used for centuries by the Hawaiians and some other Polynesians was the beaten thing, resulting from beating the inner mucilaginous bark of certain trees into pulp and then into sheets which could be used for clothing or covering. The letters K and T have from time immemorial been interchangeable among the Hawaiians, therefore the words kapa and tapa have both been used freely as the name of the ancient wood pulp cloth of the Hawaiians. The old people said that in the very long ago, their ancestors did not have anything like the kapa cloth, which has been known for many centuries. They also said that there was no kapa maioli, meaning that there was nothing in nature which provided clothing or covering. Very little reference is made in the legends to the use of skins as clothing, although the dog and the pig were brought with chickens by their early ancestors. The clothing of the oldest time was sometimes made by tying dried banana leaves around the body and coverings were made by throwing dry banana leaves over the body. Thus, Kawila was warmed and brought back to life, according to one of the most famous legends of the island Kauai. The long, fragrant leaves of the tea plant, which is Cordelina terminalis, were dried, soaked in water until soft, the outside scraped off, then fastened together by braiding or tying. In this way, a very warm cloak was made and worn by bird catchers. They found it very good for shedding rain and keeping out cold when they went into the mountains. Sometimes the long leaves of the Lauhala were thatched into covering for the body as well as for the house. So also, grass was braided into very fine cloaks as well as into mats. Banana leaves hanging in strips, like a fringe, were used for malos, loincloths, for men, and paus, skirts, for women. For many generations, the Hawaiians made most beautiful and costly feather garments. They braided or wove a foundation mesh of very fine vegetable fibers, such as the long threads of the ie ie vine, which is Freysinetti arnati. This mesh was fashioned into a mahiole, or warrior's helmet, a kihe, or shoulder cape, or an ahula, or long cloak, and covered with the most brilliant red and golden feathers which could be secured from the birds of the forest. In the legend of Makua Kaumana, the gods Kane and Kanaloa are represented as feeling pity for one of their worshippers when they saw him shivering in a fierce storm of cold rain. Therefore, they taught him how to make a kihei, or shoulder cape. Great was the wonder of the people on the northern side of the island of Oahu when he appeared among them and taught them how to make cloaks like the gift of the gods. This legend is interesting, but only shows that the people sometimes learned to make a workday cloak. Presumably, the Hawaiian method of pounding the adhesive bark of certain trees until that bark becomes a pulpy mass, and then making it into sheets and drying it, was used in Samoa and many other islands of the Pacific Ocean, and also even in Mexico hundreds of years ago. Evidently, the Hawaiian brought the art with him, or learned it from the sea rovers of about the 10th century. Nevertheless, the Hawaiian legend of the origin of kapa is a myth well worth keeping on record in Hawaiian literature. It was partially published in a native paper, the Kuokoa, in 1865, but many other references and other legends printed about the same time fill out the story. Back of Honolulu, a beautiful valley rises in a gentle slope between two rugged, precipitous ranges of lava mountains, 
until it reaches cloudland and drinks ceaselessly from the fountains of the sky. A stream of laughing water rising from waterfalls blown into spray by swift winds rushes and leaps in numberless cascades through pleasant groves down this valley of restful shadows until it is lost in the coral reefs of an iridescent sea. This is the noted Nuanu Valley of winding ways loved by sightseers as they climb to the grand outlook over extinct craters, island coasts, and boundless ocean, called the View from Nuanu Pali. This was the valley supposed to have been the first habitation of the gods, from which all life spread over that island group. Here the gnomes, or the Ipa people, had their home, and here the Menehunes, or the fairies, built a temple for the child adopted by the gods. The waters of the valley stream fertilized large areas where the valley broadened into the broad seaside plain in which now lies the city of Honolulu. Here at Pu'iwa, by the side of the running water, a farmer by the name of Maikoha lived with his daughters, having no care except raising whatever food they needed for themselves and for their tribute to the king and their offerings to the gods. Years passed by, and Maikoha became weak and ill. The Ipa people of the upper valley had always sent driving rains and cold winds down the valley, and Maikoha had cared little for them. But the old man at last went into the days of death, feeling a chill which struck to his very heart. On his deathbed he called his daughters and commanded them to listen carefully and to obey his words, saying, When I die, bury my body close to the waters of our pleasant stream. A tree will grow from that burial place. This tree will be to you for kappa, from which you will make all good things for clothing as well as covering when you sleep or are ill. The bark of this tree is the part you will use. When death came, the daughters buried their father by the running water. After a time, a tree grew from the grave. The daughters saw that it was a new tree, such as they had never seen before. It was not tall and large, but threw out a number of small spreading branches. This was the wake tree, or Brucinetia papyrifera. The daughters with great fear drew near to this monument, which was over their father's grave. They believed it was a gift from the Aumakua, the ghost god, into which they supposed the spirit of their father had been changed. Reverently, they touched the tree, broke off some of the branches, stripped off the bark, and pounded and pounded until the pieces were fastened together in a rude kind of cloth. Thus they found kappa, the beaten thing, and learned how to make it into small and large pieces, and out of these fashion, such clothing as met their need. Wherever they cut or broke the branches of this new tree, the broken pieces took root, or if the fragments were caught by the swift-flowing stream, they were tossed on the bank or carried and scattered over the plain. And wherever they went, they found a place to plant themselves until they grew even to the sea. Branches were carried to the other islands, thus the Wauke became a blessing to all the people. This tree under the name Aute, which is the same as Wauke, was a blessing to many Polynesians from Tahiti to New Zealand. In after years, other trees, such as the Mamaki, or Pipturus albidus, the Maloa, and Pou'ulu, were found to have bark from which kappa could be made. But the old people said, from the Wauke we get the best kappa for fine, soft clothing. Maikoha became the chief Aumakua, or ancestor god, of the Hawaiian kappa makers, and has been worshipped for many generations. When they planted the Wauke branches, or shoots, prayers and incantations and sacrifices were offered to Maikoha. Before the branches were cut and placed into bundles to be carried to a field set apart for kappa-making, the favor of Maikoha was sought again. One of the daughters of Maikoha, whose name was Lauhuiki, became the amakua of all those who pounded the prepared bark, 
Pertuhur was given the power of finding kappa in the bark of the wake tree, and she had the power of teaching how to pound, as well as bless the labor of those who worshipped her. The other daughter, Lahana, was also worshipped as an amakua by those who used specially marked clubs while beating the bark into patterns or marked lines, for they said she learned how to scratch the clubs with shark's teeth so that marks would be left in the pounded sheets. She was also able to teach those who worshipped her to mark figures or patterns on the pounded kappa. Thus Mykoha and his daughters became the chief gods of the kappa makers. But other ancestral gods were also found from time to time, as some new step was taken in perfecting the art. Ehu, a man, was made the amakua of kappa dyers, because he learned how to dip the cloth in dyes and give it color. He discovered the red dye in the blood of the kukui tree, which is Aluerites Molukana. Therefore, prayers were offered to him, and sacrifices laid on his altar when the kappa maker desired to color some of the work. A small corner in a house of the kappa field usually had a very small pile of stones called the altars. Here, small offerings of leaves or fruit could be placed while the worshiper chanted his prayer. Kappa dyers searched forests for trees and plants which could give lifeblood for different dyes. The sap of these plants was carefully put in bamboo joints and carried to the place where the pounders sang and worked. Offerings of leaves and fruits and flowers were made to Ehu from time to time, while the dyes were being collected, as well as when they were used to color the kappa. Sometimes the sheets were spotted by sprinkling colors over them. Sometimes they were marked in lines and figures by using bamboo splints, or bamboos with ends pounded into brush-like fibers. Stone cups were kept in the kappa fields for the dye and the marking splint. Sometimes torn-up pieces of dyed kappa were pounded with new sheets, producing a mottled effect. White kappas of the best texture were used in the temples to cover the gods during certain parts of the temple ceremonies. They were also used to mark a strict taboo. When kappa was laid on an object, it meant that it was not to be touched under pain of punishment by the guarding amakua. Fastened to a staff and placed in a path, it meant that this path was taboo. It was in this way that taboo standards were placed around the temples. A kappa dipped in black dye was kept for the death covering, especially for those of very high rank. Sometimes the perfumes of sweet flowers or the oil of such trees as the iliahi, which is sandalwood or santalum fraesinetianum, were pounded into the kappa while it was being made. The perfumes were made in this way. The sweet-smelling things were placed in a calabash and covered with water. Hot stones were put in the water and the fragrance drawn out of the plants. The water was boiled away until the perfume became very strong. This was done with the sweet-scented flowers of the niu, or coconut, or Cocos nucifera, and of the Lauhala, or Pandanus adoratissimus, and the wood of the Iliahi and other fragrant plants. When the kappas were perfumed, they were dried inside a house, so that the fragrance should not be lost. Sometimes the kappas were well scraped with pieces of shell or rubbed with stones, and then were rolled in dirt and put in a calabash and well soaked for a long time. When these kappas were washed, scraped, and pounded again, they became very soft. Often the kappa maker would take these sheets of kappa and spread them over a layer of cold, wet, freshwater moss, leaving them all night for the dew to fall upon. These kappas became very bright and shining. Sometimes finished kappas were oiled so that they became excellent protectors from the wet and cold of heavy mists and rains. These oiled kappas were frequently varnished by being rubbed with eggs. Spider eggs were considered the best for this purpose. In the early time, a flat stone was used upon which to pound out the sheets of kappa, but blocks of wood and long, heavy sticks were found to give the best results. These were called kuakuku. A block cut in a certain way was very much liked by the women, for it gave back a soft sound with the rhythmic beat of the mallets, 
accompanied by their own chants and incantations to Maikoha or one of the other Aumakuas. Hina, the mother of the demigod Maui, was the great kappa maker of the legends of the ancient Hawaiians. It is said that she still spreads her kappas in the sky. They are the beautiful clouds of all colors, sometimes piled up and sometimes lying in sheets. When fierce winds blow and lift and toss the cloud kappas and roll off the stones which Hina has placed on them to hold them down, or when she throws off the stones herself, the noise of the rolling stones is the thunder which men hear. When Hina rolls the cloud sheets together, the folds glisten and flash in the light of the sun. Thus what men call lightning is the sunlight leaping from sheet to sheet of Hina's kappas in cloudland. End of section 9, The Legend of Kappa.